And I'm going to invite you to turn with me over to the book of Matthew this morning, Matthew chapter 17. And I'm going to begin reading with verse number 14. So Matthew chapter 17, verse number 14 down through verse number 21. This morning, I'm going to be ministering the last sermon in the series that we have titled, Teach Us to Pray. And, uh, and this morning, I want to title the message, The Nuclear Option of Prayer. So Matthew chapter 17, beginning with the 14th verse. And the Bible said, And when they had come to the multitude... A man came to him, kneeling down to him, and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. And he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And Jesus said, O faithless and perverse Generation, how long shall I be with you? And how long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could not we cast out this spirit? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say unto you that if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And then again, pay particular attention to this 21st verse. And Jesus said, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. This kind does not go out except by prayer and by fasting. So would you bow your heads right there with me? We'll cease to read. We're going to pray and ask the Lord for his help to minister his word. Heavenly Father, we ask you this morning to continue to allow your Holy Spirit to move upon our hearts. And Father, we are grateful today for the presence of the Lord that we feel here in this place. We come to the reading of your word and the ministry of your word, and I, I can only ask you to help me to be effective. Help me to share what you have placed upon my heart. Help me this morning, Heavenly Father, to deliver what you have uh, laid in my spirit and help us, I pray, Heavenly Father, to uh, receive what the Spirit would speak to our lives here today. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would anoint me in my own ability. I am inadequate, but I pray that you will anoint me with the Holy Spirit, that you will touch my mind and put thoughts and utterance in my mouth that you will use me as an instrument in your hand to glorify Jesus, to edify the body of Christ, and to further the work of your kingdom. That's our goal. That's our goal. Give us liberty to share your word 
We ask in Jesus' name, and everyone in agreement with that prayer said amen. So undoubtedly, you are aware that over the past eight weeks, we have been striving to learn more about the principles and the guidelines that I believe will help to strengthen our prayer lives. We have looked closely at the example of the model prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray and what we have come to know as the Lord's Prayer. We broke it down line by line and kind of precept by precept. And then last week we took a different perspective and we took a different look and we talked about the problems of prayer and some of the problems that the Bible teaches have the ability to arise to hinder our prayer life. Last week we learned that improper motives will have an effect on our prayer life. Improper motives will have a negative impact upon our prayers. And so we need to be careful that when we pray, we are not praying to consume it upon our own selfish desires. We learned last week that harboring sin in our heart will plug up the pipeline of prayer. If we regard iniquity in our heart, Scripture said that God will not hear us. We learn that both unbelief and impatience will bring about unfruitful results as we pray. We also learned last week that disharmony with our spouse, fussing and fighting with our spouse will, amen, cause a, a, a lack of successful prayer, a lack of compassion will cause our prayers to be hindered in, in keeping them from coming to pass. And so over the course of this sermon series, we have learned both some things that we need to apply and we have learned some things that will hinder. So we've learned to apply some things when we pray and we need to, and we have learned that we need to avoid some things when we pray. And this morning, I want to share with you the final sermon in this series, I think anyway, the final sermon in this series, and I want to talk about the nuclear option of prayer because amen I, uh, th there is a there is something that we can add to our prayer life that will empower our prayers and i will start this morning by just simply reminding you that prayer in and of itself is awfully powerful we are filled we are aware that the bible is filled with examples of the power of prayer how many of you remember the Bible said that Moses stood at the banks of the Red Sea and the Egyptian army is closing in and he has nowhere to go and he prayed and God answered his prayer and said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Joshua was fighting with the Amorites and God answered his prayer by causing the sun to stand still until the victory had been won. 
Elijah on the top of Mount Carmel prayed and God rained down fire out of heaven and consumed the sacrifice and the altar, amen, through the answer of that prayer. Hezekiah, the king of Judah, is surrounded by the Assyrian armies of Sennacherib and, and Hezekiah goes to the Lord in prayer and God answered his prayer by sending one angel that night and that angel slew 180 5,000 men and gave them deliverance. Peter is stuck in the jail. Herod is planning on killing him the next morning. And the, the church, the New Testament church, had an all-night prayer meeting. And suddenly there was a knock on the door. And guess who it was? It was Peter because the church had prayed. Jesus prayed and blind eyes were opened, deaf ears were unstopped. Amen. The lame was made to walk, the dumb was made to talk. Amen. Devils departed, the dead was raised, and lives were completely changed all by the power of prayer. Amen. Many of you sitting here this morning could share your own testimony of the things that you have seen God do because of prayer. What I'm saying this morning is that there are countless stories uh, that could be told of disease being healed, uh, forgiveness being granted, relationships being restored, uh, children being fed, bills being paid, impossible situations being reversed uh, and turned around and lives being changed uh, all because of the power of prayer. Make no mistake, there is plenty of evidence that God answers prayer. Make no mistake, there is plenty of evidence that when we call upon the name of the Lord, the power of our God is unleashed and released, amen, and we receive the answer to our prayer. But our text suggests that there are some times in our lives that prayer alone will not be sufficient. Hello? Our text reveals that there are going to be some situations that are going to require something more than just prayer. Pastor Gary, what do you mean? Let's take a closer look at our text this morning. Matthew chapter 17. If you were to begin reading in the first verse of that 17th chapter, you would find that Jesus takes with him Peter, James, and John, and they go up into the mount, which we will later come to know as the Mount of Transfiguration. It was actually the Mount of Tabor. They go into the Mount and Jesus, Peter, James, and John, his inner circle, and he takes them to the top of the mountain and they begin to pray. And the Bible tells us that suddenly Jesus was transfigured and transformed in front of them. His clothing became extremely white with the shikanda glory of God and the majesty of God. And there appeared un, amen, unto them, right in front of them, there was Moses and Elijah. How many of you know Moses had been dead for about 1,700 years? And yet he appears 
Elijah had been gone longer than that. Hello? And yet they appear standing there talking to the Lord. And Jesus' countenance was totally changed. And and he was glorified, transfigured right there in their presence. They were in such awe that after they heard the voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. They were so impressed that they wanted to build three tabernacles. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. It had to have been an incredible sight. And yet while they are on the Mount of Transfiguration and they have have seen the majesty of Christ, down at the bottom of the hill there's another situation going on. The Bible says when they came down from that hill, amen, they come down and a multitude comes to Jesus. And the multitude, in this multitude, there is a father that is in a desperate way. His son has need of deliverance. His son has need of healing. And he says to the Lord, you know, heal my son. He, he's, he's, he's often thrown himself into the fire and he's often thrown himself at the wall. I'm, I'm afraid for his life. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not help him. They could not bring deliverance. They could not get him delivered. They could not cure him. I brought him to your disciples, but they were unable to do what I need to be done. And Jesus says, oh, you perverse generation. How long will I suffer? You bring him to me. And they brought the child to Jesus. Jesus rebuked that sickness and it departed from him. And the child was cured from that moment forward. And now things are quiet. The multitude has dispersed. And the disciples come to Christ. Now remember, Jesus had sent out 70 with the power to heal and power to cast out demonic spirits. And when they returned, they, I mean, they were thrilled. They were like, man, even the devils are subject unto us in your name. We've seen some great things done. But now we're in a quandary. They come to Jesus privately and said, we don't understand why were we not able to cast out this demonic presence or this, this sickness And Jesus says to them, if you look in verse 20, because of your unbelief, assuredly I say unto you that if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing shall be impossible unto you. How be it? How be it? This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Did you notice the last line? This kind does not go out except by prayer and by fasting. Beloved, what Jesus is saying is that prayer is powerful, but there is something that we can add to our prayers that will empower our prayer life. Jesus is saying prayer is powerful, but fasting will empower your prayers. 
Church, I want you to understand this morning that fasting is the nuclear option of prayer. Fasting will empower our prayer life. Fasting will lend power and make powerful our time spent in prayer. What I'm saying this morning is that we can multiply the effectiveness of our prayers by utilizing the discipline of fasting. We can increase the effectiveness of our prayers by deploying the restraint and the mastery of denying the flesh to have control God has given unto each one of us a powerful tool that we can use in order to increase the effectiveness of our prayers God has given us a powerful tool that we can use in order to increase the effectiveness of our spiritual power amen and most of the time we fail to identify and use that tool but we need to understand that fasting is that tool fasting is that tool we don't hear a lot preached about fasting these days hello and when the spirit of the Lord speaks to our heart and says I want you to fast we're like yes Lord and we run to the refrigerator real fast <laughs> I can't do it today So let me, just, let me just start by asking you this morning, what comes to your mind when we think about fasting? And most people would say, all of the things that I'm going to have to do without. And that shouldn't be our focus. Instead of focusing on all of the things that we're going to do without, we should focus on all of the things that God is going to do on our behalf. Hello? So when we talk about fasting, you may think to yourself, fasting is only for the super spiritual. Fasting is only for the, the overachiever, the super saints. Fasting is for someone else. I mean, you know, I mean, you talk about fasting and someone automatically goes, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. You may even be thinking to yourself, Pastor Gary, have you lost your mind to preach a message to us about doing without food? Hello? Well, let me just tell you this morning, it is amazing to me that we have such a powerful tool at our disposal and we rarely fail or we rarely use it as it, as it should be used. So this morning, I submit to you this morning as we are going to talk about some of the principles of fasting and praying. Amen. I submit to you that the principle of fasting is perhaps one of the most misunderstood spiritual instructions of the Bible. It is one of the most misunderstood and ignored teachings in the scripture. And yet I would further submit that if we would simply utilize the powerful tools that God has given unto us, we would find that our prayers are being answered much more often than they currently are right now. So I want to give you just a fasting 101 rundown, if you will. What does fasting mean? What does fasting mean? 
Fasting by pure definition, according to Vine's expository dictionary, says to abstain from food for a period of time for the purpose of seeking God. Abstaining from food for a period of time for the purpose of seeking God. A study of fasting practiced by Jesus and others in the Bible reveals what God means by fasting. Fasting simply means being so consumed with a desire to hear from God or to see God move in a particular matter that it becomes more important than our necessary food. Have you ever been there? Hello? Therefore, the believer, he sets aside food in order to concentrate on seeking God. Biblical fasting means more than just abstaining from food, but it means to abstain from food in order to concentrate upon God and his answer in a particular situation. In a nutshell, fasting is a scriptural way of seeking God's presence. Fasting is a scriptural way of seeking God's direction and path for our life. Fasting is a spiritual way or a scriptural way of seeking a deeper revelation and a greater understanding of his divine will for our lives and for others. It is a way of humbling ourselves before the Lord and saying, God, I need to hear from you more than I need anything else. How many of you know actions speak louder than just words? Prayers are words. Fasting is action. God, I need to hear from you in such a way that I'm willing to push the plate aside and I'm willing to set myself apart and I'm willing to shut myself away so that I can give myself wholly unto you, that I can concentrate completely upon you and your will and your word, that I can hear from heaven and that I will know what I need to do in this situation. And I need to hear from you more than I need that burrito. <laughs> Hello? The, the Bible from cover to cover gives us examples of fasting for different reasons. Let me give you a few of them. There were those who fasted for strength in, in their prayer. They were fasting for strength from God. There were those who fasted to seek God's guidance and to express grief and sorrow. There were those that fasted to seek deliverance and protection. There were those that fasted to express repentance and a desire to turn to God. There were those who fasted to express concern for the work of God and to express their desire to the minister to the needs of others. So what motivates you to fast? When was the last time that you fasted? We need to understand that when we fast and pray, we will see life's priorities more clearly than we do. 
When we fast and pray, we will see balance return to areas of our life where there is imbalance. When we fast and pray, self-ambition, amen, and self-desire will melt away and pride will wash away, amen. When we fast and pray, we will be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit and we will be more sensitive to be used in the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost operating in the body of Christ. When we fast and pray, our weaknesses, amen, and the hidden areas of our life where we are failing and faltering, will come to the surface and rise to the top where God can help us to deal with them more appropriately. When we fast and pray, we will become more sensitive to the presence of God and to the voice of God. Amen. So we need to understand that there are benefits to fasting and prayer. But the key to fasting being effective is combining it with prayer. Don't do one and leave out the other. That's just a bad diet. <laughs> Fasting without prayer is just starvation. But when we fast and pray, the power of our prayer is increased because we are more in tune with God's spirit and we are more sensitive to his will and more sensitive to his desires. Fasting is all about getting ourselves in a place to receive from God. Amen. What we need to understand is that fasting is not just a spiritual hunger strike. Amen. To try to force God to react. Fasting is not trying to twist God's arm into giving us something that he already wants us to have but fasting is getting ourselves in a place where we can receive what God wants us to have fasting is more about getting us where we need to be in trying to instead of trying to get something from God it's about getting us in the right place I've always said that fasting does not change God's hearing but fasting will change the way that we pray. Hello? Fasting will not change God's hearing, but it will change the way that we pray. So this morning, I want to share with you five different areas, five different areas that we need to fast and pray about and why we need to fast. Number one, Amen. We should fast, number one, out of obedience unto the teaching of Jesus. We need to fast out of obedience unto the teaching of Jesus. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse number 1 through verse number 4. I want to read to you some scriptures, and I want you to see a pattern established. You say, Pastor Gary, does Jesus teach us to fast? Others fasted, but does Jesus literally teach us to fast? It's a no-brainer. Here's what Jesus said in Luke or in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Here's what he said. And I'm reading the, the New King James. Take heed that you do not your charitable deeds before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you 
as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, he says, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you do a charitable deed, when you give, when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, he's, doing, he's saying, being, be discreet in your giving. Don't sound a trumpet before you, you know, like, eh, I'm going to put something in the offering. No, just do it, do it, I mean, do it unto the Lord. He said, don't let your right hand or your left hand know what your right hand's doing. That your charitable deed may be done in secret, and the Father who sees in secret shall reward you openly. Notice that he tells us when we give, not if we give. And then he tells us how not to give, amen, to those who are in need. He says, don't sound a trumpet before you. Meaning when you give to those who are in need, do it discreetly. Do it privately. Let your actions be, amen, in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. The obvious assumption is that if we are a follower of Christ, then we're going to be a giver and we are going to give to those in need. Now, he continues that same line of teaching in Matthew 6 and verse 5 about prayer. He's not talking about giving anymore, but he's talking about prayer. And he says, when you pray, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand in the synagogue on the corners of the street, that they may be seen of men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, not if you pray, when you pray, go into your prayer closet, go into your room, and when you shut the door behind you, pray to the Father who sees in secret, amen, or sees in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Amen. He's not, he's not condemning corporate prayer. He's not condemning public prayer, but he's saying, don't make a public spectacle of yourself when you pray. He's saying, do your prayers discreetly and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. The assumption again is that the believer and the follower, uh, followers of Christ are going to be giving and they are going to be praying. It's going to be a normal part of our activity as we serve and follow the Lord. Now go down to verse 16 because he continues. That same line of preaching or that same line of teaching. In Matthew 6 and verse 16, he says, moreover. Notice the word moreover. It means in addition to the giving and the praying. He says, moreover, not if you fast, but when you fast. Not if you fast, but when you fast. Do not be like the hypocrites with sad countenance, for they disfigure their face, that they may appear unto men to be fasting. He said, Assuredly, I say unto you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but do it unto your Father which is in secret, and your Father which is in secret shall reward you openly. 
And again, the assumption is, is a simple fact that if we are a follower of Christ, we are going to be a giver, we're going to be a prayer, and we are going to be a faster. So, number one, we fast in obedience to the teaching of Jesus. Wait a minute, Pastor Gary. Isn't that legalistic? Isn't that just for religious fanatics? No. Jesus clearly teaches that if we are a follower of Christ, we are going to pray, we're going to give, and there are going to be times that we fast. Because fasting empowers our prayer. Number two. Secondly, we should fast to demonstrate our dependency upon God. We should fast to demonstrate our dependency upon God. James chapter 4 and verse 6. James says, but he gives grace. Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud and gives grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. How do we draw nigh unto God? Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. When we fast, we are humbling ourselves before the Lord and we are seeking the Lord, saying, Lord, I want to be more like you. I want to be drawn closer to you, Lord. I want your presence uh, to be more of a reality in my life. Uh, I want you to rule and reign and not my flesh. Mm. There are many ways that we can demonstrate humility. But choosing to seek after the presence of God in our lives at the expense of the comfort of our flesh demonstrates a spiritual hunger for the things of God. Job said, I have esteemed your word more than my necessary food. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after what? After righteousness. Not blessed are they that hunger and thirst to have their tummy full. But blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. The psalmist said, as the deer pants after the water brook, so longs my soul after you, O God. Amen. There are some things that, with, that are within our heart that ought to drive us to the place of fasting. We are saying, God, I need you more than my necessary food. I need, amen, my spiritual hunger exceeds my physical hunger. Amen, there are, there should be, there can and should be times when we say no to this flesh so that we might seek his righteousness and his power and his wisdom and his direction, amen, more than we need our natural food. Fasting before the Lord is a tangible way to reach out uh, and, and put our mind and our bodies under subjection, amen, so that we do not gratify the flesh and we seek after the will of God. 
Amen. Let me let me just put it in, you know, common English terms. You know, when we fast, we're telling our body, you are not the boss of me. <laughs> Hello? Oh, I hear you. I hear you rumbling, but you are not the boss of me. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. It's a loose white translation, but I'll read it to you. You'll get it. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. This is what he says, 1 Corinthians 9 and 24. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable crown. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But he goes on to say, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. What Paul is saying is I run, amen, this race and I train, amen, to run this race as an athlete who intends to win the big, the greatest prize, amen, and I put my body under my control so that the spirit may have control in my life. So we fast in obedience to Jesus. We fast to demonstrate our dependency upon God. Amen. Number three, we fast to demonstrate a heart of repentance. A heart of repentance. Do you remember the story of Jonah? I'll remind you briefly. After Jonah's experience of the whale or the big fish, he is told of God to go and preach to Nineveh. He says, I don't want to go. God says, I can fix that. <laughs> I'll give you the want to. <laughs> I have my ways. <laughs> and so by way of the big fish, Jonah gets, you know, barfed up on the, ba on the beach. <laughs> and he decides Nineveh is his first choice of vacation spots. <laughs> And so he goes and he preaches the gospel to them. He preaches repentance to them. He preaches that God is about to send judgment if they do not repent. And here's what happened. You can read it in Jonah chapter 3, verse 3 through 10. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh and he proclaimed 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned or destroyed. And the Ninevites believed God and they declared a fast. And they sat in sackcloth and ashes from the greatest to the least. And here's what the king did when the king heard of it. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man, any beast, herd, or flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let every man, every beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call upon the Lord urgently. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence and who knows? Maybe 
the Lord will relent and will have compassion on us and turn from his anger. And God saw their sacrifice and heard their prayers, amen, and watched them as they fasted and, and repented because of their sin. And God had mercy upon them. Amen. There are times that we need to fall before the Lord in repentance. Amen. Fasting and praying and saying, God, uproot the evil that's in my life and in my heart. Some of us stumble over the same thing day in and day out. You want some victory from it? Fast and pray. Fast and pray. Number four, we should fast in order to receive God's wisdom and God's direction. When Jesus began his ministry, before he preached one word, he did what? He fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights. Before Moses ever led the children of Israel across the wilderness, what did he do? He fasted on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Amen. When we desire to receive God's direction, for our life, I tell you, the best thing that we could do is humble ourselves and deny our flesh and pray and seek the will of God. And God will hear our prayer. The Bible makes it clear in the early church, they were blessed with prophets and teachers who were gifted with the ability, amen, to lead the church. But instead of relying on their own gifts and their own leadership abilities, they would fast and pray before they ever moved or before they ever put a program in place. Can you show us that in Scripture? Acts chapter 13, verse number 1. The Bible says, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simon that was called Niger, which had been brought up under the Herod, the Tecriarch, and Saul. He was Paul at this time. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, here is the leadership of the church ministering unto the Lord. What does that mean? They were praying. They were worshiping. They were ministering unto the Lord and fasting. The Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas, and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed again, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. What the scripture is saying, that is that before God sent Paul and Barnabas on a missionary trip, the leaders of the church had fasted and prayed, and God said, this is my will, and this is my desire. This is my direction. Separate these two men unto me so that I can use them to further the work of the kingdom of God. Hmm. I tell you this morning, when you are floundering and searching for the will of God, fast and pray, and God will hear your prayer. God will hear your prayer. I, I said I wasn't going to share this because I know I've shared this before, but I just I can't get past it. Hang on a minute. So, when I gave up music and came to the Lord, 
the last thing that I ever dreamed God would do would be to call me to preach. And when the Lord started dealing with me about preaching, I said, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. You have got the wrong man. I'm not going to do that, Lord. I'm not going to be a preacher just because my dad was a preacher and my uncle is a preacher. and I made all kinds of excuses. I'm not the right guy for the job. If you know all the stuff I've done, you know, I mean, I made every excuse in the book and God wouldn't leave me alone. Almost three years, God dealing with my heart, dealing with my heart, dealing with my heart. Nope, 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 nope. And he would never leave me alone. And finally, I said, okay, God, I am going to get serious. I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to help me to know what you want me to do with the rest of my life. Because I'm tired of telling you no and keeping like I'm supposed to be doing something more. And I determined that I would go on a fast. It ended up being a 30-day fast. And don't feel like you have to fast for 30 days to be effective. That's just, I don't know, maybe that's just what the Lord <laughs> said. I, got it. I need at least 30 out of you. <laughs> I, I don't know. But I went on a 30-day fast. One day, about day 21, I was in my bedroom praying. And I had a vision. And in this vision, I knew it was a God thing and not a Gary thing. But in this vision, I could see myself standing before this imminent light that was pouring off and onto me. I could not see where this light was coming from, but I instantly knew in my mind that I was standing before the throne of God. And this beautiful light is just flowing off of me. I couldn't see anyone. I was like I was watching a screen in front of me. I could see myself standing there and this light flowing off of the throne and onto me. And all of a sudden, right at the bottom of my feet, started a fire. And it burned up my legs, up my torso and over my head. And before it was through, it was a flame shooting 35, 40 feet above my head. And I was just in awe of what I was seeing, but I didn't understand it. And I said to the Lord, I know you're trying to show me something, but I don't, I don't know what it is that you're trying to show me. What do you want me to do? And the Lord spoke to me as clearly as I'm talking to you. And he said, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 7. I make my angels spirits and my ministers a flame of fire. You go and I will go with you. You open your mouth and I will speak through you. And I will tell you this morning, there has not been a day in the last 35 years that I have preached the gospel that I ever doubted what I was called to do. Because I took the time to fast and pray and seek God and God gave me direction for my life I tell you this morning that if you are in a place of indecision sacrifice and call upon the name of the Lord with fasting and prayer and God will give you direction and cause you to understand what it is that he would like for you to do for the kingdom of God 
The fourth thing, fast and pray to seek the wisdom and direction of the Lord. The fifth thing, that we should fast in order to receive deliverance in times of crisis. Amen. Fast to receive deliverance in times of crisis. How many of you ever had a crisis arise in your life? I promise you, God honors fasting and prayer. Here's a, here's a crisis from the Old Testament. Esther. <laughs> Esther is queen, and there has been a plan that has been hatched by Haman to destroy the Jewish race. And God intervened. Mordecai, her uncle, says, Esther, God has brought you into the kingdom for such a time as this. We need you to fast and pray and go before the king and let the king know of this horrible plot to destroy all of the Jewish nation. Now, Esther, she set herself aside and she fasted and prayed. She could not just, she was the queen, but she couldn't just go before the king any time that she wanted to. She had to wait until she was called and then she could come before the king. If, if she went before the king without ever being called, the king could have her put to death. But she fasted and prayed and she came before the king. And God saw the sacrifice and God honored Esther's fast. And the king received her and said, what do you want? What can I give to you? And she told the king, I just want to have supper with you. Come to my house and let me make you dinner. I'll tell you all about it when you get there. <laughs> and when the king found out about the plot to kill the Jewish people, he had Haman, the man that, that planned the whole thing, hung on the gallows that were meant for Mordecai. What I'm saying is that God honored Esther's fast. Here's another situation in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The Bible says that Jehoshaphat is surrounded by Moabites and Ammonites. And there's a vast army that has come up against him and alarmed Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and to proclaim a fast throughout all of Judah. And the Bible said that the people of Judah came together to seek the Lord and to seek help from the Lord. And they are all together and they are all in one place and they are fasting and they are praying. And Jehoshaphat, the Bible says, stood up in the assembly of Judah and in Jerusalem in the temple in front of the courtyard. And he said these words, O God of our fathers, you are you not God and aren't you the only God in heaven? Do you not rule all of the kingdoms of this world? Do you not have power and might in your hands so that no one can withstand you? But now here we are, God, Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir and the territories that you would not allow Israel to invade when we came up out of Egypt. They have turned away, amen, themselves from their own land and they have come against us. See how they repay us by coming to drive us out of the inheritance that you gave to us. And then he says, our God, oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For, listen to this, for we have no power over this vast army that is attacking us. 
and we do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And about that time, the Bible says that one of the prophets stood up and said, the battle is not yours, but the battle belongs to God. What, what I'm saying this morning is that God saw their sacrifice. God heard their prayers in the midst of their crisis. Do you have a crisis this morning? Diagnosed with bad news? Uh, amen. Do you have a crisis in your life uh, that nobody knows about? I promise you that if you will set your heart to seek the Lord, he said, when you seek me uh, with all of your heart, uh, I will be found of you. I tell you this morning uh, that there are times for us uh, to fall upon our knees and pray at times for us to fast before the Lord. So let me close this morning. It is important for us to understand that fasting is not trying to coerce God, but that fasting is for us to get in a place where we can hear from God. We may go through difficult times, but I tell you that if we will fast and pray, it will add a nuclear option to our prayer life. It will unleash things that have been bottled up. Sometimes what we are searching for can only be accomplished by prayer and by fasting. This kind goeth not out but by prayer and by fasting. Amen. Let me just share with you some concluding remarks. Bow your heads. Do you have a fervent desire this morning to draw closer unto God? Then fast. Do you have a specific need in your life that you cannot seem to find that you are, you are seeking him for an answer? Add fasting to your prayers. Do you have a personal need for wisdom and direction in your life? Fast and pray. Remember, fasting is done both by our effort and by God's empowerment. We need his grace. We need the leading of his Holy Spirit. The point I am making this morning is that if we make necessary sacrifices in order to draw nigh unto God, he will draw nigh unto us. If we submit ourselves unto God, then he will undertake in the impossibilities that we have. Fast and pray. Are we sensing a closer walk with him? Are we willing to make the sacrifices necessary to hear from him? Are we more hungry for the things of God than for the necessary food? that is so plentiful and so available to us every single day. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, help us to understand that prayer is powerful. The name of the Lord is a strong tower we can run into and hide. 
Prayer is absolutely powerful. But Lord, when we come up against things that don't move and don't, the answer doesn't come, help us also to realize and recognize that fasting is a ballistic missile in our arsenal in spiritual warfare. Help us to be willing to say to this flesh, you do not rule in my life. I take authority over you and I submit my will and my heart to God. In Jesus' name, let the seed of this word fall upon hearts. From the first message to this last message, Help us to understand the great privilege that we have to come before you in prayer. Help us to understand the relationship to reverence who you are, to come humbly and boldly before your throne with all confidence. Help us to trust you for every daily need and the kingdom of your culture to be evident within us. All of these things, Lord, that we have talked about in these last eight weeks. Help us to understand the great responsibility and privilege of prayer. And then this morning, Lord, help us to understand that when we're not finding the success that we need, that fasting is yet another tool that you have given us to bring the flesh under control and to unleash the power and presence of God. I pray, Lord, that this word will not be lost, that it will not be stolen by the enemy when the service is over, but that it will tarry in our hearts that it will take root in the soil of our spirit and that it will begin to bring forth fruit in our life. Oh God, we need to be a praying people. The world around us is being turned upside down in a very negative way. And we need to be a praying people that seek the face and the presence of the Lord. Help us to be that people. In Jesus' name I pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. How many of you here this morning would be willing to just slip up your hand and say, Lord, I needed to be reminded. I needed to be reminded of the value of fasting. God sees these hands. Yes, 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 yes. I needed to be reminding. I've made the flesh way too comfortable for way too long. That changes today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Heads have, heads have been bowed, eyes have been closed. We've had hands lifted. Stand to your feet and let me pray with you before we dismiss. Oh, God. Oh, God, thank you for every single hand. 
Thank you for every single commitment, Lord, that that changes today. Help us that you love us enough, Lord, that you reminded us that we are not to be making the flesh comfortable but that the fields are white with harvest and that we are to be praying that the Lord would send laborers into the field to bring others in. Help us to recognize and do our part. In Jesus' name I pray. Come and sing, come and sing.